chapter two of khalid a tale of arabia this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. read by angelique g campbell december two thousand eighteen khalid a tale of arabia by francis marion crawford chapter two khalid reached the palace he dismounted from his mare and leading her by the bridle entered the gateway here he met many persons guards and slaves both black and white and porters bearing provisions and a few women all hurrying hither and thither and many noticed him but a few gazed curiously into his face and two or three grooms followed him a little way pointing out to each other the beauties of his mare truly they said if we did not know the mares of the stud better than the faces of our mothers we would swear by allah that this beast had been stolen from the sultan's stables by a thief in the night for she is of the best blood in najed these being curious they saluted khalid and asked him whence he came and whither he was going seeing that it is not courteous to ask a stranger any other questions i come from the red desert khalid answered and i am going into the palace as you see the groom saw that there was a rebuke in the last part of his answer and hung back and presently went their way are such mares bred in the red desert they exclaimed the stranger is doubtless the sheik of some powerful tribe but if this be true where are the men that came with him and why is he dressed like a man of the city so they hastened out of the gateway to find the bedouins who they supposed must have accompanied khalid on his journey but khalid went forward and came to a great court in which were stone seats by the walls here a number of people were waiting so he sat down upon one of the seats and his mare laid her nose upon his shoulder as though inquiring what he would do allah knows khalid said as though answering her so he waited patiently at last a man came out into the courtyard who was richly dressed and whom all the people saluted as he passed but he came straight towards Khalid, who rose from his seat. "'Whence come you, my friend?' he inquired after they had exchanged the salutation. "'From the Red Desert, and I desire permission to speak with the Sultan, when it shall please His Majesty to see me.' "'And what do you desire of His Majesty? I ask that I may inform him beforehand.' so you will have a better reception tell the sultan said khalid that a man is here who has neither father nor mother nor any possessions beyond a swift mare a keen sword and a strong hand but who has come nevertheless to ask in marriage zahoa the sultan's daughter the minister smiled and gazed at khalid in silence for a moment but when he had looked keenly at his face he became grave 
it may be he thought that this is some great prince who comes thus simply as in a disguise and it were best not to anger him i will deliver your message he answered aloud though it is a strange one it is customary for those who come to ask for a maiden in marriage to bring gifts and to receive others in return he added i neither bring gifts nor ask any said khalid allah is great and will provide me with what i need i fear that he will not provide you with the sultan's daughter for a wife said the minister as he went away but khalid did not hear the words though he would have cared little if he had now it chanced that zahoa was sitting in a balcony surrounded with lattice over the courtyard on that morning and she had seen khalid enter leading his mare by the bridle but though she watched the stranger and his beast idly for some time she thought as little of the one as of the other for her heart was not turned to love and she knew nothing of horses but her women thought differently and spoke loudly praising the beauty of both there is indeed a warrior able to fight in the front of our armies they said truly such a man must have been khalid ibn Malad, the sword of the lord in the days of the prophet upon whom be peace by and by there was a cry that the sultan was coming into the room and the women rose and retired the sultan sat down upon the carpet by his daughter in the balcony do you see that stranger holding a beautiful mare by the bridle he asked yes i see him answered zahoa indifferently he has come to ask you in marriage <laughs> another she exclaimed with a careless laugh if it is the will of allah i will marry him if not he will go away like the rest this man is not like the rest my daughter he is either a madman or some powerful prince in disguise <laughs> or both perhaps laughed zahoa she laughed often for although she was not inclined to love she was of a gentle and merry temper his message was a strange one said the sultan he says that he neither brings gifts nor asks them that he has neither father nor mother nor any possessions excepting a swift mare a keen sword and a strong hand <laughs> i see the mare the sword and the hand answered zahoa but the hand is like any other hand how can i tell whether it be strong the sword is in its sheath and i cannot see its edge and though the mare is pretty enough i have seen many of your own i liked as well the elephants of the indian prince were more amusing and the prince himself was more beautiful than this stranger with his black beard and his solemn face that is true said the sultan with a sigh 
do you wish me to marry this man zahoa asked my daughter i wish you to choose of your own free will nevertheless i trust that you will choose before long that i may see my child's children before i die for the sultan was old and white-bearded and was already somewhat bowed with advancing years and with the burden of many cares and the fatigues of many wars yet his eye was bright and his heart fearless still though his judgment was often weak and vacillating do you wish me to marry this man zahoa asked again he will be a strange husband for he is a strange suitor coming without gifts and having neither father nor mother but i will do as you command if you leave it to me i shall never marry i did not say that i desired you to take this one especially protested the sultan though for the matter of gifts i care little since heaven has sent me wealth in abundance but my remaining years are few and the years of life are like stones slipping from a mountain which moves slowly at first and then faster until they outrun the lightning and leap into the dark valley below and what is required of a husband is that he be a true believer young and whole in every part and of a charitable disposition <laughs> truly laughed zahoa if he have no possessions charity will avail him little since he has nothing to give there is other charity besides the giving of alms my daughter since it is charity even to think charitably of others as you know but i have not said that you should marry this man for you are free and indeed i have not yet talked with him but i have sent for him and you shall hear him speak see they are just now conducting him to the hall of audiences but indeed i think he is no husband for you after all the sultan rose and went to receive khalid and zahoa went to the secret window above her father's raised seat in the hall khalid made the customary salutation with the greatest respect and the sultan made him sit down at his right hand as though he had been a prince and asked him whence he had come and then a refreshment was brought and khalid ate and drank a little after which the sultan inquired his business i come said khalid boldly to ask your daughter zahoa in marriage i bring no gifts for i have none to offer nor have i any inheritance my mare is my fortune my sword is my argument and my wit is in my arm you are a strange suitor said the sultan but he kept a pleasant countenance since khalid was his guest you are no doubt the sheik of a tribe of the red desert though i was not aware that any tribes dwelt there so far as being the sheik of my tribe said khalid with a smile your majesty may call me so 
for my tribe consists of myself alone seeing that i have neither father nor mother nor any relations cruelly i have never talked with such a suitor before answered the sultan at least i presume you are a son of some prince and that you have chosen to disguise yourself as a rich traveller and to hide your history under an allegory the sultan would certainly not have allowed himself to overstep the bounds of courtesy so far but for his astonishment at khalid's daring manner he was too keen however not to see that this man was something above the ordinary and that whatever else he might be he was not a common impostor such a fellow would have found means to rob a caravan of valuable goods to offer as gifts would have brought himself a train of camels and slaves and would have given himself out as a prince of some distant country from which it would not be possible to obtain information i for allah i am no prince khalid answered i ask for the hand of your daughter the will of allah will be accomplished he knew that zahoa was watching and listening behind the lattice in her place of concealment for the memory of such things had not been taken from him when he had lost the supernatural vision of the genii and had become an ordinary man he was determined therefore to be truthful and to say nothing which he might afterwards be called upon to explain for he never doubted but that zahoa would be his wife since the angel had told him that it should be so and what if i refuse even to consider your proposal inquired the sultan to see what he would say if it is the will of allah that i marry your daughter your refusal would be useless but if it is not his will your refusal would be altogether unnecessary the sultan was much struck by this argument which showed a ready wit in the stranger and which he could only have opposed by asserting that his own will was superior to that of heaven itself but said he defending himself any of the previous suitors might have said the same undoubtedly replied khalid unabashed but they did not say it your majesty will certainly now consider the matter in the meanwhile the sultan answered very graciously you are my guest and you have come in time to take part in the third day of the festival to which you are welcome in the name of allah the merciful thereupon the sultan rose and khalid was conducted to the apartment set apart for the guest but the sultan returned to the harem in a very thoughtful mood and before long he found zahoa who had returned to her seat in the balcony this is a very strange suitor he said shaking his head and looking into his daughter's face he is at least bold and outspoken she answered he makes no secret of his poverty nor of his wishes whatever he be he is in earnest and speaks truth i would like well to know the only secret which he wishes to keep who he really is it may be 
said the sultan thoughtfully that if i threaten to cut off his head he will tell us but on the other hand he is a guest he is not of those who are easily terrified i think tell me my father do you wish me to marry him how could you marry a man who has no family and no inheritance would such a marriage befit the daughter of kings why not asked zahoa with much calmness the sultan stared at her in astonishment has this stranger enchanted your imagination he inquired by way of answer no replied zahoa scornfully i have seen the noblest the most beautiful and the richest of the earth ready to take me to wife and i have not loved shall i love an outcast then how can you ask my wishes because there are good reasons why i should marry this man good reasons in the name of allah let me hear them if there are any you are old my father said zahoa and it has not pleased heaven to send you a son nor to leave you any living relation to sit upon the throne when your years are accomplished you must needs think of your successor the better reason for choosing some powerful prince whose territory shall increase the kingdom he inherits for me and whose alliance shall strengthen the empire i leave behind me astigar for allah the worst reason for such a prince would be attached to his own country and would take me thither with him and would neglect the kingdom of Najed, regarding it as a land of strangers whom he may oppress with taxes to increase his own splendour and this is not unreasonable since no king can wisely govern two kingdoms separated from each other by more than three days journey no man can have other than the one of two reasons for asking me in marriage either he has heard of me and desires to possess me or he wishes to increase his dominions by the inheritance which will be mine doubtless this is the truth said the sultan but so much the more does this stranger in all probability covet my kingdom since he has nothing of his own this is what i mean for having no other possessions to distract his attention he will remain always here and will govern your kingdom for its own advantage in order that it may profit himself this is a subtle argument my daughter and one requiring consideration the more so because the man seems otherwise well fitted to be my husband since he is a true believer and young and fearless and outspoken but if this is all objected the sultan there are in Najed several young men sons of my chief courtiers who possess the same qualifications choose one of them on the contrary to choose one of them would arouse the jealousy of all the rest with their families and slaves and freedmen thereby the kingdom would easily be exposed to civil war but 
if i take a stranger it is more probable that all will be for him since you are beloved and there is no reason why one party should oppose him and another support him since none of them know anything of him but he will not be beloved by the people unless he is liberal and he has nothing wherewith to be generous <laughs> and where are the treasures of riyadh laughed zahoa is it not easy for you to go secretly to his chamber and to give him as much gold as he needs that is also true i see that you have set your heart upon him not my heart my father but my head for i have infinitely more head than heart and i see that the welfare of the kingdom will be better secured with such a ruler than it would have been under a foreign prince whose right hand would be perpetually thrust out to take in a jed that which his left hand would throw to courtiers in his own country do i speak wisdom or folly it is neither all wisdom nor all folly i have seen this man and i have heard him speak said zahoa <laughs> he is as well as another since i must marry sooner or later moreover i have another argument what is it either he is a man strong enough to rule me or he is not sahoa answered with a laugh if he can govern me he can govern the kingdom of najed but if not i will govern it for him and rule him also the sultan looked up to heaven and slightly raised his hands from his knees allah is merciful and forgiving he exclaimed is this the spirit befitting a wife is it charity to cause happiness undoubtedly it is charity and which is greater the happiness of many or the happiness of one the happiness of many is greater answered the sultan what a thin he asked after a time seeing that she said nothing more i have spoken she replied it is best that i should marry him then there was silence for a long time during which the sultan sat quite motionless in his place watching his daughter while she looked idly through the lattice at the people who came and went in the court below she seemed to feel no emotion the sultan did not know how to oppose zahoa's will any more than he could answer her arguments although his worldly wisdom was altogether at variance with her decision for she was the beloved child of his old age and he could refuse her nothing moreover in what she had said there was much which recommended itself to his judgment though by no means enough to persuade him at last he rose from the carpet and embraced her if it is your will let it be so he said it is the will of allah answered zahoa let it be accomplished immediately with a sigh the sultan withdrew and sent a messenger to khalid requesting him to come to another and a more secluded chamber where they could be alone and talk freely khalid showed no surprise on hearing that his suit was accepted 
but he thought it fitting to express much gratitude for the favourable decision then the sultan who did not wish to seem too readily yielding began to explain to khalid sahawa's reasons for accepting a poor stranger presenting them as though they were his own for he said whatever you may in reality be you have chosen to present yourself to us in such a manner as would not have failed to bring about a refusal under any other circumstances but i have considered that as it will be your destiny if heaven grants you life to rule my kingdom after me you will in all likelihood rule it more wisely and carefully for having no other cares in a distant country to distract your attention and because you have no relations you are the less liable to the attacks of open or secret jealousy the sultan then gave him a large sum of money in gold pieces which khalid gladly accepted since he had not even wherewithal to buy himself a garment for the wedding feast still less to distribute gifts to the courtiers and to the multitude the sultan also presented him with a black slave to attend to his personal wants khalid then sent for merchants from the bazaar and they brought him all manner of rich stuffs such as he needed there came also two tailors who sat down upon a matting in his apartment and immediately began to make him clothes while the black slave sat beside them and watched them lest they should steal any of the gold of the embroideries when it was known in the palace that the sultan's only daughter was to be married at once there were great rejoicings and many camels were slaughtered and a great number of sheep to supply food for so great a feast a number of cooks were hired also to help those who belonged to the palace for although the sultan fed daily more than three hundred persons guests travellers and the poor besides all the members of the household yet this was as nothing compared with the multitude to be provided for on the present occasion then it was that haji mohammed the chief of the cooks sat down upon the floor in the midst of the main kitchen and beat his breast and wept for the confusion was great so that the voice of one man could not be heard for the diabolical screaming of the many and the cooks smote the young lads who helped them and these running to escape from the blows fell against the porters who came in from outside bearing sacks of sugar and great baskets of fruit and quarters of meat and skins of water and bushes of meal and a hundred other things equally necessary to the cooking and the porters staggering under their burdens fell between the legs of the mules loaded with firewood that had been brought to the gate and the dumb beasts kicked violently in all directions while the slaves who drove them struck them with their staves and the mules began to run among the camels and the camels being terrified rose from the ground and began to plunge and skip like young fowls while more porters and more mules and more slaves came on in multitudes to the door of the kitchen and it was very hot for it was noontide and in summer and there were flies without number and the dogs that had been sleeping in the shade sprang up and barked loudly and bit whomsoever they could reach and all the men bellowed together so that the confusion was extreme verily cried haji mohammed 
this is not a kitchen but yamima and i am not the chief of the cooks but the chief of sinners and fuel for hell so he wept bitterly and beat his breast but at last matters mended for there were many who were willing to do well so that when the time came haji mohammed was able to serve an honourable feast to all though the number of guests was no less than two thousand but khalid having visited the bath arrayed himself magnificently and rode upon his bay mare to the mosque surrounded by the courtiers and the chief officers of the state and by a great throng of slaves from the palace as he rode he scattered gold pieces among the people from the bags which he carried and all praised his liberality and swore by allah that zahoa was taking a very goodly husband and as none knew whence he came all were equally pleased but most of all the bedouins from the desert of whom there were many at that time in riyadh who had come to keep the feast bedram for khalid's own words had been repeated and they had heard that he came from the desert like themselves and when he had finished his prayers he rode back to the palace when the time for the feast came the sultan led khalid into the great hall and made him sit at his right hand the sultan himself was magnificently dressed and covered with priceless jewels so that he shone like the sun among all the rest then he presented khalid to the assembly this said he is khalid my beloved son-in-law the husband of my only daughter whom it has pleased allah to send me as the stay of my old age and as the successor to my kingdom he will be terrible in war as khalid ibn walid his namesake the sword of the lord and gentle and just in peace as abu bakir of blessed memory he is as brave as the lion as strong as the camel as swift as the ostrich as sagacious as the fox and as generous as the pelican who feeds her young with the blood of her own breast love him therefore as you have loved me for he is extraordinary worthy of affection and hates his enemies and be faithful to him in the time of danger by the blessing of allah he shall rear up children to me in my old age to be with you when he is gone thereupon khalid turned and answered speaking modestly but with much dignity in his manner ye men of najed this is my marriage feast and i invite you all to be merry with me whether it shall please allah to give me a long life or whether it shall please him to take me this night i know not we are in the hand of allah but this i do know i will love you as my own people seeing that i have no people of my own i will fight for you as a man fights for his own soul for his wife and for his children 
and i will divide justly the spoils in war and give in peace whatsoever i am able to all those who are in need i swear by allah you are all witnesses the courtiers and all the guests were much pleased with this short speech for they saw that khalid was a man of few words and not proud or overbearing and none could look into his face and doubt his promise for the present moment at least zahoa's prediction had been verified for no one was jealous of him and there was but one party among them all and that was for him so they all feasted together in harmony until the sun was low in the meantime zahoa remained in the harem surrounded by her women and a separate meal was brought to them they all sat down upon the rich carpets leaning on cushions set against the walls and small low tables were brought in covered with dishes and bowls containing delicately prepared rice and mutton in great abundance and fresh blanket bread hot from the stoves and olives brought from syria afterwards came sweetmeats without number such as haji mohammed knew how to prepare and gold and silver goblets filled with a drink made from large sweet lemons and water which is called tring zahoa indeed ate sparingly for she was accustomed to such dainties every day but her women were delighted with the abundance and left nothing to be taken away while they were eating six of the women played upon musical instruments by turns while others danced slow and graceful measures singing as they moved and describing the unspeakable happiness which awaited their princess in marriage afterwards when the tables had been taken away and they had washed their hands with rose water from ajim zahoa commanded the singing and the dancing to cease and the women brought her one by one the dresses which she was to wear before khalid they were very magnificent for it had needed many years to prepare them and a great weight of gold and silver threads had been weighed out to the tailors and embroiders who had worked in the preparations of them ever since zahoa had been two years old for the piece of material is weighed first and then the gold and afterwards when the work is finished the whole is weighted together lest the tailors should steal anything but zahoa looked coldly at the garments one after the other as they were brought and taken away and the women fancied that she was to be married to the stranger against her will and that she remembered the indian prince it is a pity one of them ventured to say that the bridegroom has not brought any elephants with him for we would have watched them from the balconies since they are diverting beasts and it is a pity said zahoa scornfully that my husband has not a round soft face like the moon in may and the eyes of a gazelle and the heart of a hare truly such a one would have made you a good king seeing that he was also an unbeliever nay said the woman humbly Allah forbid that I should make a comparison or bring an ill omen on the day by speaking of that which chanced a year ago. Truly, I only spoke of elephants and not of men, for surely 
we all said when we saw him in the court that he looked a brave warrior and a goodly man then a messenger came from the sultan saying that it was time to make ready so they went to another apartment where the nuptial chamber had been prepared the sultan came in leading khalid and followed by the cadi and all the women veiled themselves while the latter read the declaration of marriage after that they all withdrew and khalid took his seat upon the high couch in the middle of the room presently all the women returned unveiled with loud singing and playing of instruments leading zahoa dressed in the first of the dresses which she was to put on and which though it was very splendid was of course the least magnificent of all those which had been prepared but khalid sat in his place looking on quietly for he was acquainted with the custom and he cared little for the rich garments but looked always into zahoa's face End of chapter 2